Welcome to the CNS Podcast featuring Dr. Daryl Anaba, Research Director for CNS Productions. Hi, and welcome once again to the CNS Addiction Podcast. I'm Howard Lemire here with Dr. Daryl Anaba. And as ever, we're going to look at the news uh, as it relates to uh, addiction, substance abuse, uh, behavioral addictions. And some of the things in the news today, Daryl, or recently at least, uh, steroids. And since it is fall, um, sports season, not that it's not always sports season of some sort or another, but famous uh, Chicago Bears um, football player Dick Butkus um, came out with a strong statement uh, because uh, Brent Musburger apparently recently made a statement to the effect that steroids under doctor's orders are okay for professional athletes to use. And uh, Dick Butkus has a foundation that's been in existence for about seven or eight years, uh, strongly discouraging the use of uh, anabolic steroids. So that's some news. Also, some other news is uh, the uh, official FDA sanctioning of the drug Vivitol Vivitol for uh, addiction uh, to uh, opioids, heroin, as well as uh, alcohol. And also the... um, uh, news of a legislation that's going to take effect next year, where in two thirds of the states, state uh, databases on uh, prescription drugs are going to be linked together in an effort to combat the continuing rise in the abuse of prescription uh, drugs, especially uh, opioids. So, Daryl, uh, what do you make of all these things? How, um, how do they? How do they? How do they interact? How do they flow into our modern society? Well, first of all, I actually agree with the, Dick Buckus, the great linebacker for the Chicago Bears, uh, uh, in that uh, Brent Musburger, you know, to endorse uh, players be under doctors' directions and given steroids uh, for, you know, not 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 the type of steroids like cortisone for healing, but he's actually talking about endorsement of anabolic steroids, the ergogenic steroids, the roids that give uh, athletes uh, a better advantage, uh, better, stronger muscles, move faster, uh, much more aggressive. I think that's uh, a big mistake by Brent in terms of, as Butkus points out, it's it's really not being aware of the medical dangers posed by anabolic steroids uh, and the fact that they can cause a tremendous amount of different uh, harm to the athletes themselves uh, as well as causing harm to other athletes. If you've got players who are under roid rage playing with, uh, you know, tremendously boosted up muscles and, right. and aggression, you're going to injure other players as well. Apparently a, a lot of young athletes have died as a result of complications related to heart disease and, and artery conditions. And, then, and there's also carcin, carc, carcinogenic properties of, of these drugs as well. But it, what, it, what Brent Musburger must know as, as all those years as, as a professional uh, sportscaster and, and, and commentator is that athletes are different. They think different. And that's been shown in a lot of other studies that athletes, to them, the thing that matters most is, is a performance, is a world-class performance and being the best of the best at the time. 
and uh, that they're willing to go through all lengths, including taking substances that will kill them within a year after taking them, and and to endorse that we now we now give out awards like the gold medal in the Olympics or world championship to the athlete that has the best doctor or the best pro- provider and what, of the most. That's what it adds up to. Right now it is uh, because uh, the doctors, the steroids that are being abused are, are, are uh, athletes getting them from uh, chemical supply firms or doctors or other professionals who keep one step ahead of the law in the detection properties. So right, the ones who, hard, can, hard who are to clever them. enough. Right. But to, then to openly endorse it, so... So what do you do? You know, maybe we should be giving the the medal to the doctor <laughs> or we, the laboratory that provides the steroids rather than the the athlete themselves. It's not an even playing field when everybody's uh, getting these things, uh, you know, from from a variety of different sources and the harmful effects. So I don't think that uh, Brent really has looked at. I think Dick is right and. I think he has uh, that foundation of his. I think it's called uh, I Play Clean and going around the country and talking to young kids because kids uh, who want to be great athletes, they're taking this stuff already in high school and trying to achieve a, a, a professional status or all world-class status and um, actually bringing a lot of medical complications to their lives as well as being unfair in that. They're they're doing this while the other athletes they're competing against uh, who don't yeah, it's, aren't able to get it aren't doing that. It's clearly unfair. I just in terms of sportsmanship, but um, but yeah, if you see if you see where it's okay for pro athletes to use it, then of course the high school students are going to say, well, I, I'm I'm going to use it too, no matter if it's illegal or not. Well, it, it's, and 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 that that correlates directly with the with with the. Uh, Prescription medication, and and if it's if a doctor prescribes it and it's used for some good purpose, then of course I can take it. It's not going to hurt me. Yeah, several things there. That downward slope is exactly uh, correct, Howard. What you what you're going to see in some studies I've read a long time ago about athletes is that athletes are recognized almost by the time they enter school that they have some sort of of value that they, they have some greater abilities than than other kids and they're pampered and they're prodded and they're sort of uh, massage into taking on that role and later on becoming professional or whatever and so uh, you know it's not unforeseeable that trying to make use of that advantage you might see be be seen uh steroids given to very young kids right. <laughs> to develop and, and what a terrible thing that would be the other thing uh, that you mentioned. And, and aside to that is the uh, the Republican candidate for Senate in uh, Connecticut, uh, Miss McMahon, who's the head of the World Wrestling Entertainment, has uh, made some waves by saying nothing about steroids. And of course, a number of the 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 deaths recently um, attributed to steroid misuse. Has have been by wrestlers, and so it it's kind of notable that 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 she and her campaign have been absolutely silent about this issue. Well, the other thing you mentioned too is important. It's it's the perception and the public perception, and especially the youth perception. And if you look back uh, at all of the the drug use studies, the national uh, study on use. Of, 
use of drugs in the United States, the Lloyd Johnson studies, the uh, drug awareness studies. A lot of studies have, have looked at, at youth and looked at adults. And every time when the public perception of drugs as being less harmful or not harmful occurs and, and that that peak rises in terms of more and more people thinking that drugs are non-consequential or non-problematic, um, the rise of abuse of drugs greatly increases. So as public awareness goes down in terms of drugs being harmful, the public abuse of these drugs go way up. And we're in this era of prescription drugs uh, and somewhat of, of, you know, that renewed marijuana. Marijuana has become more used as well as ecstasy primarily because it's a public perception that these things are are not harmful. Doctors are prescribing them, so they must be okay and everybody can take them. And uh, that's what we have, uh, as you point out, with steroids. If the perception that these are, are, are okay and they're good, then we're going to see uh, more abuse. So that does kind of tie in with the uh, this new uh, movement, to uh, which we've talked about before, to, to tie together all the different states' uh, databases. Of course, when you, when you go to the pharmacy um, in most states... Uh, you have to uh, sign on, sign a form, normally an electronic form, uh, for pretty much any kind of prescription drug, not not just not just um, not just designated ones, not not special ones, but uh, like for thyroid medication. I'm pretty much for anything. You have to sign the form. So this this database is is being created or has been created by individual states, and now two thirds of the states, like 33 or 37 of them are going to link together these databases to try to track um, uh, excess use by, by both users and I suppose also by doctors of, of painkillers, especially. Uh, and so there are, of course, privacy uh, concern issues that arise out of that because then you're going to be looking at a whole lot of people's medical uh, pharmaceutical records just to capture one or two percent of of folks that are abusing, but it it clearly has become a significant problem. So, um, it, it's one of those difficult trade off kind of questions. Well, um, uh, again, Howard, you hit it on the nail on the head there. That the data is powerful. I mean, when you look at uh, some like when Prozac first came out and and that wasn't really an abuse drug that was merely an anti anti uh, depressant drug uh, but a, uh, one that was very popular and very effective the first uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor when they looked at the database in Washington and prescribed they found in one city like over 90% of the people in that town were getting <laughs> Prescribe, and you don't have that high rate of depression, but you have a drug that people will buy and will take and will pay their doctor to get. So you right. get, you had that issue, and then, and then you can see those patterns. You can see doctors who might be script doctors. Uh, some of the database turned up. Uh, I remember dentists uh, prescribing lots of amphetamines. Like, well, what would a dentist prescribe amphetamines for? And I remember the case in San Francisco. The guy said, well. My patients get a lot of caries and they get a lot of tooth decay from eating between meals, not brushing enough, eating too much sugar. So I give them amphetamines. They don't eat as much. They have less teeth problems. Well, that's quite of a stretch there. But so um, there is a usefulness when it's targeted and, 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 and controlled. But again, 
there's a, abuses, and that's what we tend to forget. No matter what your good intentions are, we're a nation of greedy and and mean-spirited people who find anything to that they can get their hands on and use it for abuse purposes, like identifying, you know, um, maybe different populations of people to target for different medications, uh, maybe promoting different medications. Uh, I can see, um, you know, potential where drug companies buy that data <laughs> just to look for oh, yeah. where markets are. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's it definitely there's a dangerous side to it. And, I mean, it's very valuable, clearly, but there's a really dangerous side. And, and the real big danger here is these states are doing these things and linking these things and going on their own about reaction things without any kind of oversight or scrutiny or any kind of of control mechanism to ensure that they don't get used and abused. An interesting right. thing happened here in Oregon last week uh, on Wednesday, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, a a uh, press release came from the State Board of Pharmacy and the State Board of Pharmacy um, by what they call temporary rule. I actually called them up to find out, what is this? What's a temporary rule? And it's it's kind of a nebulous thing, but they, by temporary rule, made all the synthetic uh, marijuana or THC products that were sold in head shops and smoke shops and different things around Which we've state. been talking about. Yeah, they, they made it Schedule 1. They made it a, a totally illegal drug, a scheduled it in the state of Oregon, meaning that uh, police now have the ability to arrest and prosecute somebody for possession of a legal one drug, which is the mar- synthetic marijuana. It's the K2, the Spice series, right. the... Uh, genie series and different things like that that are sold right here in Medford, and there is you know on there's a good part to that, and the good part to that was that these the abuse of this is just taken off all over I think the Pacific Northwest, not just Oregon, uh, and it's spreading across the country. And there is, although no good studies, there there are a lot of anecdotal reports coming in of uh, kids freaking out, having psychotic reactions with it, becoming depressed after it. And even uh, reports of comas that the drug actually, uh, these incense that are being abused. That well, can, it's, it's massively more powerful than, than regular marijuana. Some are claimed to be 800 times more powerful than That's marijuana. So, the, yeah. And so does incense. I thought they'd keep the packets with, say something, you know, not for human consumption. Uh, but on the other side, warning, this is a powerful plant product. <laughs> sort of the neon lights saying, yeah, just try some of this, get loaded. But um, even reports of seizures uh, on, in kids taking it. So it, it is a public health ha- uh, hazard, and uh, it is something that maybe they should be applauded, the Oregon Board, for responding to immediately. But at the same time, it's kind of scary that they can do this by temporary rule with... Uh, without any hearing, without any notice, without any, you know, really close scrutiny of should we do this or don't do this. They just uh, sort of knee-jerk reaction. That could be also a dangerous precedent. And what, what's somebody going to do here in Medford? They they went to the, the Magic Man shop. On Monday, they picked up a K2 for 30 bucks or so. They're going to have a party for it on Wednesday, and they only find out uh, when they're busted or something that they're, they're in possession of a totally illegal substance that was just a day ago 
legal. So that would that would be no fun. Yeah. So no usually, bueno. usually that's why you have these public hearings and you get a lot of testimony and you get a lot of publicity to let people know that this decision is coming down. And so, it, you know, it might not be a good idea to waste thirty bucks and if you think you're going to get a legal product. Uh, when it's going to be turning illegal in a year or so. But this is just overnight it was done. Yeah, we'll we'll have to find out about that. Uh, Temporary normally means it's only going to last so long, so then some other more official action. Well, they did, the the federal government did a, um, they have what's called emergency, uh, emergency scheduling. In the DEA, uh, I remember in the 1980s, late 1980s, emergency scheduled uh, ecstasy, MDMA. Emergency made that a Schedule One drug. Well, that was emergency legislation for a temporary time. Did you ever see it? Not a federal Schedule One. <laughs> you know, some 20, 30 years later? No. So you We better look into this, Daryl. <laughs> we better look into it. Okay, well, that's about the time for today. Um, as ever, those of you listening... Uh, comments, questions, and um, and anything else you care to say are, are certainly welcome. Uh, drop by the website, which is cnsproductions.com. Uh, drop us a note there in the blog section or the general comment section. And um, we'll talk about this some more. These are all interesting topics and all important, I think, for everyone to pay attention to. That wraps our pod for today. Thanks for visiting the CNS Podcast. Please check back soon for the next in the series and visit our website, www.cnsproductions.com.